Chapter 4 of Cubs of the Wolf by Raymond F. Jones. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Zach Katstein. Chapter 4 Salcaron had not repeated his invitation that the Terrans visit the Eyed communities, but he showed no adverse reaction when Cameron said that they would like to take him up on his previous offer. You will be very welcome, he said. A soft smile lighted his features. I will notify my leaders you will come. With a start, Cameron realized that the existence of any kind of community probably implied leaders, but he had ignored this in view of Marthasa's insistence that the Ides had no culture of their own. He wondered just how untrue that assertion might be. For the first time, he sensed genuine disapproval in the attitude of Marthasa when he mentioned plans to go with Sal Caron to the Ides centers. There's nothing out there you'd want to see, the Markovian said. Their village is only a group of crude huts in the forest. It'll be a waste of your time to go out there when there's so much else we could show you. Sal Caron suggested the visit before we arrived, said Cameron. He'd be hurt if we turned him down, perhaps just to satisfy him. Angry indecision hid behind Marthasa's eyes. Well, maybe that makes it different, he said finally. We try to do everything possible to make the Ides happy. It's up to you if you want to waste your time on the visit. I think I do. Sal Caron has been very attentive and pleasant to us. It's a small favor in return. Early in the morning, two days later, they left with Sal Caron directing them to the idealist center. They discovered that the term, at the edge of the city, was a mere euphemism. It was a long two-hour trip, at the high speed of which the Markovian cars were capable. The city itself vanished, and a thick wooded area took its place during the last half hour of the journey reminding them of the few remote, peaceful forests of Earth. Then, as the car slowed, they left the highway for a rough trail that led for a number of miles back into the forest. They came at last into a clearing circled by rough wooden dwellings possessing all the appearance of crude, primitive existence on little more than a subsistence level. This is the village of our chief, said Sal Caron. He will be pleased to explain all you may wish to know about the idealist way. Cameron was shocked almost beyond speech by his first sight of the clearing. He had tried to prepare for the worst, but he had told himself that the Markovian's estimate of the Ides could not be true. Now, he was forced to admit that it was, in contact with all the skills of their masters, which they would certainly be permitted to learn if they wanted to. The Ides chose primitive squalor 
when they were on their own. Their serenity could be little more than the serenity of the savage, who has no wants or goals, and is content to merely serve those whose ambitions are greater. It was the serenity and peacefulness of death. The Ides had died as a race long ago. The Markovians were loud, boastful, and obnoxious, but that could be discounted as the awkwardness of youth in a race that would, perhaps, be very great in the universe at a time when the Ides were wholly forgotten. Cameron felt depressed by the sight. He began to doubt the wisdom of his coming here in hope of finding an answer to the Markovian deception. The warning of Sal Caron on shipboard seemed now like nothing more than a half-ignorant demonstration of loyalty toward the Markovian masters. Possibly there had been some talk which the Eid had overheard, and he had taken it upon himself to warn the Terrans, knowing perhaps nothing of the matter which the Markovians were reluctant to expose. If he could have done so gracefully, Cameron felt he would have turned and gone back without bothering with the interview. His curiosity about the Ides themselves had all but vanished. The answer to their situation was obvious, and he had maintained such high hopes that somehow his expectation in them would be fulfilled during this visit. There was a satisfying cleanliness apparent in everything, as Sal Caron led them to the largest of the buildings. Joyce seemed to be enjoying herself as she surveyed the surroundings with an interest Cameron had lost. As they entered the doorway, a thin, straight old man with a white beard arose from a chair and approached them in greeting. The ancient conventional patriarchal order, Cameron thought. He could see the whole setup in a nutshell right now. Squalid communities like this, where the too old and the too young were nurtured on the calcified traditions to which nothing was ever added, the able serving in the homes of the Markovians, providing sustenance for themselves and those who depended on them. The Markovians were generous indeed in not referring to the Ides as slaves. There was little else they could ever be called. The chief was addressed as Venor by Salcaron, who introduced them. It is kind of you to include our village in your visit to the nucleus, said Venor. There are many more spectacular things to see. There is often greatest wisdom in the least spectacular, said Cameron, trying to sound like a sage. Sal Caron was kind enough to invite us to your center and said there was much you could show us. The things of the soul are not possible to show said Venor gently. We wish there were time that we might teach you some of the great things our people have learned in their long wanderings. 
I am told that your profession and your purpose in being here is the study of races and their actions and the things they have learned. With a start, Cameron came to greater attention. He was certain he had never given any such information in the presence of Salcaron or Marthasa. Yet even Venor knew he was a sociologist. Here was the first knowledge that must lie behind the evidence of the undercurrent of objections of the Markovian representative in the council and Premier Jargla. And this primitive patriarch was in possession of it. Relations between the individuals of this planet were something far more complex than Cameron had assumed. He hesitated a moment before speaking. Just why had this bait been so innocently thrown to him? Marthasa had never mentioned it. Yet, had the Markovians asked for an attempt to get an admission from him for their own purposes? And what purposes? He abandoned caution and nodded. Yes, that is the thing I am interested in. I had hoped to study the history and ways of the Markovians, as Salcaron has told me. They don't want strangers to make such a study. You are, perhaps, not so unwilling to be known? We wish the entire universe might know of us and be as we are. You hardly make that possible, subjugating your identity so completely to that of another race. The world will never know of you unless you become strong and unified as a people and obtain a name of your own. Our name is known, said Vanor. We are the idealists. You will not find many worlds on which we are unknown, and they call us the ones who serve. Even on your world, you have the saying of a philosopher who taught that any who would be master should become the servant of all. Your people once understood it. Not as a literal undertaking, said Cameron. You can't submerge your entire racial identity as you have done. That is not what the saying meant. To us it does, said Venor solemnly. We would master the universe, and therefore we must serve it. That is the core of the law of the idealists. Cameron let his gaze scan through the window to the small clearing in the thick forests, to the circle of wooden houses. We would master the universe. He restrained a smile. You cannot believe this, said Venor, because you have never understood the mark of the servant or the mark of the master. How often is there difficulty in distinguishing one from the other? 
and how often do the illusions of the mind ease the privations of the body, Cameron thought. So that was the source of the idealist serenity. Wherever they went, they considered themselves the masters through service. And conversely, those they served became the slaves, he supposed. It was a pleasant, easy philosophy that hurt no one, except the ones who believed it. They died the moment they accepted it, for all initiative and desire were gone. The master is he who guides the destiny of a man or a race, said Venor, almost in meditation. He is not the man who gathers or disperses the wealth, or who builds the cities and the ships to the stars. The master is he who teaches what must be done with these things and how a people shall expend their lives. And the Markovians do this in obedience to you? said Cameron whimsically. Wherever my people are, answered Vanor, strife ceases and peace comes. Who can do this is master of worlds. There was a strange solemnity about the voice and figure of the old idealist that checked the sense of ridiculousness in Cameron. It seemed somehow strangely moving. You believe the worlds are better, he asked gently, just because you are there? Yes, said Venor, because we are there. There was a pathos about it that fired Cameron's anger. On scores of worlds, there were primitive groups, like this one, blinding themselves with a glory that didn't exist. In the grips of ancient, meaningless traditions, the younger ones, like Sal Caron, were intelligent, worth salvaging, but they could never be lifted out of this mire of false belief unless they could be shown how empty it was. Nothing you have said explains the mystery of how this great thing is accomplished, said Cameron almost angrily. Even if we wanted to believe it were true, it is still as utterly incomprehensible as before we came. There is a saying among us, said Venor kindly. Translated into your tongue it would be, how was the wild dog tamed and a saddle put upon the fierce stallion? Stubbornly, then, Vanor would say no more about the philosophy of the idealists. He spoke freely of the many other worlds upon which the idealists lived and served, and he affirmed the tradition that they did not even know the place of their origin, the planet that might have been their homeworld. He was evasive, however, when Cameron asked when the first contact was made between his people and the Markovians. There was something that the Ides, too, were holding back, the sociologist thought. 
and there was no apparent reason for it. Recklessly, he decided nothing could be lost by attempting to blast for it. Why have the Markovians consistently lied to us? He said. They've given us their history, and if your people know the feelings of other worlds, they know this history is a lie. Only a few generations ago, the Markovians pirated and plundered these worlds, and now they pose as little tin gods with a silver halo. Why? Salcarone stood by with a look of horror on his face, but Venor made no sign of alarm at this forbidden question. He merely inclined his head slowly and repeated, How was the wild dog tamed, and a saddle put upon the fierce stallion? That was the end of the interview. The Ides insisted, however, that he inspect the rest of the village, and they personally guided the Terrans on the tour. Cameron's trained eye took in at a glance, however, the evidence supporting his previous conclusion. The artifacts and buildings demonstrated a primitive forest culture. The other individuals he saw were almost entirely the old and very young, the ones unsuitable as servants to the Markovians. Venor explained that family life among them paralleled, in general, that of the masters. Whole idealist families lived and served as units in the Markovian household. Exceptions existed, in the case of Salcaron and others of his age, who were separated from their families and had not yet begun their own. As they returned to the car, Venor took their hands. He pressed Cameron's warmly and looked into his eyes with deep sincerity. You have made us glad by your presence, he said. And when the time comes for you to return, we shall repay all the pleasure you have given us. I'm afraid we won't be able to do that, said Cameron. We appreciate your hospitality, but I'm sure time will not permit us to visit you again as much as we'd like to. In the past few minutes, he had reached the conclusion that further research on this whole planet was futile. The best thing they could do was go somewhere else in the nucleus and make a fresh start. Venor shook his head, smiling. We will see each other again, Joyce and Cameron. I feel that day will be very soon. It was senseless to let himself be irritated by the senile patriarch who spoke out of a world of illusion but Cameron could not help feeling nettled as he started back to the city. Somehow, it seemed impossible to regard Venor as merely a specimen for sociological research. The chief of the idealists reached out of his unreal world and made his contact with the Terrans a personal thing, almost as if he had spent all of his life waiting for their coming.
There was a sense of intimacy against which Cameron rebelled, and yet it was not an unpleasant thing. Cameron's mind oscillated between annoyance of Venor's calm assertion that they would be back shortly and the nonsense of the eyed belief that they controlled the civilizations in which they were servants. How was the wild dog tamed and a saddle put upon the fierce stallion? He smiled faintly to himself, wondering if the Markovians were fully aware that the Ides regarded them as tame dogs and saddled stallions. They couldn't help knowing, of course, but it was hard to imagine Marthasa and his wife being very much amused by such an estimate. The situation would be intolerable, however, if it were met by anything except amusement. It might be a mildly explosive subject, but he was going to find out about that one small item before moving on, anyway, Cameron decided. Sal Caron was strangely silent during the whole of the return trip. He offered no comments and made only brief, non-committal replies to questions about the country through which they passed. He seemed depressed by the results of their visit, probably because the violation of his warning not to question the lives of the Markovians. It was a curious evidence of their completely unreal, proprietary attitude in respect to their masters. They'd have to investigate Marthasa's response as thoroughly as possible. There seemed to be no taboo on discussion of the Ides with him. His annoyance at the acceptance of their invitation to the Ide village appeared to have vanished as he greeted them upon their return. We delayed eating, thinking you'd be back in time. If you'd like to join us in the dining room as soon as you're ready. The villa of Marthasa seemed different after the day's experience with the Ides. Although Cameron was certain nothing had changed, either in a physical way or in their relations with the Markovians, it was as if his senses had been somehow sharpened to detect an undercurrent of feeling of which he had been previously unaware. Glancing at Joyce, he sensed she felt the same. I have the feeling that we miss something she said as they changed their clothes to join Marthasa and his wife. There was something Venor wanted us to know and wouldn't say. I would almost like to go back there again before we go away. Cameron was surprised at his own annoyance with Joyce's statement. It reflected the impressions in his own mind, which he was trying to ignore. Nonsense, he said. There's no use trying to read great profundity in the words of an old patriarch of the woods. He's nothing except what he appears to be. The Markovians talked easily of Venor and the rest of the Ides. We have tried to get him to join us in the city, said Marthasa as the meal began, but he won't hear of it. It seems to give him a sense of importance to live out there alone with his retinue and have the other Ides come to him with their problems. He's a kind of arbiter and patriarch to all of them for many miles around. While Marthasa talked, Cameron tried to bring his awareness of all the varied facets of the problem together and see it as a whole. 
as he now understood it. The Markovians, a vast pirate community, had voluntarily abandoned freebooting for reasons yet to be discovered. They had turned their backs upon it so forcibly that they even hid the history of their depredations. And one of their last acts must have been the capture of a large colony of idealists who were forced into servitude. Now the Ides compensated their enslavement by the religious belief that service made them masters over the ex-pirates, convincing themselves that they had changed the Markovians, taming them like wild dogs, saddling them as fierce stallions. Cameron wondered if he dared, then dismissed the thought that there could be any risk. It was too ridiculous. There was even a half-malicious smile on his lips as he broke into Marthasa's conversation. One of the things that made me very curious today, he said, was the general reaction of your people to the idealists' illusion that they have tamed you, as expressed in their aphorism about how was the wild dog... He never finished. Across the table, the faces of the Markovians had frozen in sudden bitterness. The shield of their friendliness vanished under the cold glare from their eyes. Marthasa's lips seemed to curl as he whispered, So, you came like all the rest, and we wanted so much to believe you were honest. A study a chance to find material for lies about the nucleus to spread among all the council worlds. He continued almost sadly. You will be confined to your quarters until transfer authorities can arrange for your return to Earth. And you may be sure that never again will such a scheme get one of your kind into the nucleus again but there was no hint of sadness in his wife's face. She glared coldly. I said they should never have been permitted to come. Cameron rose in sudden bewildered protest. I assure you we have no intention, he began. And then he stopped. In one moment of incredible clarity, while they stood there, eyes locked in bitter stares, he understood. He knew the myth was not a myth. It was cold, unbelievable reality. The Ides had tamed the Markovians. In a moment of fear, he wondered if it were anything more than a thin shell that could be shattered by a whisper from a stupid dabbler in cultures who really knew nothing at all about the profession to which he pretended. End of chapter 4